0: Welcome back to another episode of Small Business Chronicles. And I am privileged enough to be your guest host today, filling in for Ryan Shear. So my name is Brian Stone. Uh, I am an entrepreneur, uh, business owner, and business coach, uh, and also a podcast host. And I'm super excited about my guest today because I feel like we have a lot to talk about. Uh, But I am with Deborah Boggs. And so, um, before we get kind of rolling, uh, Deborah, why don't you t- tell us a little bit about what you do, why you're awesome at it, and why our listeners should be so excited to to listen to our conversation today?
1: Thank you so much, Brian. I'm really, really excited to be here. Uh, so, I am Deborah Boggs. I founded, scaled, and now run DNS Executive Career Management, and we are a firm that works with VP, C level, and board level candidates to prepare for and navigate their high-level searches. So for us, what that means is we're not a search firm. We don't do placements, but we're like the home stagers to make a luxury property look expensive before it goes on the market. So it's a lot of fun work. And the reason your listeners should be excited, I'm here to talk a little bit about my journey as an entrepreneur. I did start this business as a side hustle and have been able to grow it and scale it to about 12 people um, doing really great work in the world. So I'm excited to talk about that.
0: Awesome. And I, I obviously, as we mentioned earlier before the show, I relate to the staging uh, comment because my background is real estate. Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, that's that's fantastic. The, the level of success that you've had uh, to turn something into a side that, that is initially just a side hustle into the full-fledged thing recognized by Forbes. I mean, that's phenomenal. Um, how long did it take you to get from A to Z there or, or from when you started uh, to where you are now?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So it started as a side hustle. I would say about eight years ago, yeah. um, and I started it really, uh, you know, as a as a passion project for myself. So I have always been a resume nerd. I love helping people get ready for their job searches. I love, you know, helping people gain the confidence to to go after stretch roles they might not have thought they could achieve. And so I started doing it on the side outside of my full time job. Um, on one of those uh, like platforms for freelancers. And it actually really quickly started to snowball and take over my life through referrals. And and just, you know, it started to grow and I started to get more comfortable, um, you know, asking for my worth, right? And, and so, about six months later, I formalized the business. So I started as a freelancer. Six months later, I formalized the business to, to you know, I didn't know it was going to be a business. I didn't set out to start a business. I really just set out to do something that I really love doing in kind of a creative creative way. And then it snowballed. So we decided to, I say we, my husband was a lot more involved in those days. And then uh, don't tell him, but I replaced him during COVID um, in the business. So he. Yeah. <laughs> Still, my husband, but not as uh, involved in the business. Yeah, I was going to um, say you
0: have to specify what kind of replacement right, you're doing there, right, just, right. <laughs> so nobody makes assumptions.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, happily married, 15 years. <laughs>
0: okay, perfect, perfect.
1: Um, so we, um, so we formalized it. You know, did the website, named the business, did some things like that, and then honestly, it was about a little under a year later that I took it full time. I left my full time role. My husband was a stay-at-home dad at the time, so I was the only um, breadwinner, and we wanted to stay that way um, and uh, and just tried it to see what would happen, what could the business be if I could focus on it full-time, if I could really put all of my time and energy to this, what could we turn it into? And so at that time, it wasn't making full-time income, but I wanted to try it, and it quickly got there.
0: Well, and that's, um, but first of all, congratulations on your success. That's amazing, and I know that- um, Thank you. A lot of people that that they everything starts with an idea, and it's just something that you love doing. For well, for a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of um, new business owners, that's the case. Um, but I'm curious how, mu- how much um, how much did the the employment the employment market impact your growth? Because I know for the past several years we've seen we've seen a shift in that right where. Where now all of a sudden they, it's really hard to find good people, right? And every, right. I mean, I'm in mastermind sessions. I'm having conversations like this with other business owners, and a really common problem people have is how do I hire the right people? How do I retain the right people? So, uh, and and, and at, at every level, right? So you 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 specifically focus on you know C level, you know CEOs, COOs. Um, but even at that level, which normally people would assume there's, there's not as much competition because the hiring pool is small, there's still a lot of competition there. So uh, was that a big part of your, your growth or, or do you feel like that's something that was just kind of a, a happenstance?
1: You know, that's a really great question. It's interesting because in a firm like ours, we're, you know, we're a small niche firm and so we stay pretty busy. Um, but the type of work we do and how we support our clients changes with when the job market changes. Mm-hmm. And so for us, and, and to be honest with you, prior to 2019, you know, heading into 2020, my husband and I had had a lot of conversations about what would our business look like if there was a recession, because we didn't know, because we're funded. You know, our clients are individuals; our right. clients aren't businesses. And so, you know, when people lose their jobs, do they have money to pay for the things that that we do? So when the job market is strong, our clients tend to be in a in a role currently doing great work, really wanting to set themselves up for success in the next opportunity. They want to, they want to look for the next best opportunity. They either want to make more money, move up in, you know, into a different organization, whatever that might be. Um, and they're not in a huge hurry and they have the time to really find the right next thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that had been the majority of our business until uh, until 2020. And since then it's kind of evolved a couple of times, right? The job market keeps changing and Prior to that, I used to be able to predict exactly, you know, and, and tell clients exactly what they could expect. And now it's kind of a swinging pendulum, but, um, but you know, when the job market is tough, it, it changes. Our clients are really more, you know, in um, they have more of a need, right? They need to find a role. The competition is much higher. And at those C-level roles, it's interesting because there's a lot fewer of them. So if you think about, um, you know, a large organization may have 20 people on their marketing team, but they only have one chief marketing officer. So the opportunities are a lot smaller, but the competition you're up against is a lot stronger because everybody has deep experience. Everyone has deep accomplishment. So how do you stand out beyond that? Because it's kind of table stakes to be well accomplished in that space, and then you have to bring the and what else, right? Um, and so we really help people through that process. But it can change when they're, you know, when they've maybe been laid off or they know they the company's going to, you know, merge or something might be happening, especially in the job market. Um, it gets a little bit more desperation and so our work is a lot more around coaching and supporting and navigating through the search and really emotional time for people too so the lines Mm -hmm. kind of blur between service provider and and partner
0: you know i'm glad you mentioned that because um you know that's a differentiator in that space there's a lot of interview prep resume prep and there's a lot of you know digging you could do there's videos i mean everybody learns everything via youtube now but it's different having someone that can actually coach you through the mindset that's required to mm-hmm. approach a role at that level that you are that you're trying to seek right and so yeah. i've i've personally uh, i i've applied for c-level um positions at, at companies um i actually most recently have done that just in the past year i uh, ended up oh, getting wow. getting a placement that was um, a startup because uh, it's I'm, I'm passionate about starting things from scratch with with zero capital so that's fun uh, but but i did go through that <laughs> yeah um I, but i did go through that that preparation process with an expert and it was uh it was surprising to me how much uh the conversational prep was the most valuable part of it rather than mm-hmm. just all of the things that i assumed it uh, would be, would be part of that preparation process. So.
1: Yeah. You bring up such a good point. And that's why we really niched down into only working with executives because we found, you know, when I first started, I worked with everyone and that was great. I loved working with everyone. But what I found is the executive job search is very different. And the way you take yourself to market is very different. And there's not a lot of information online about that. You know, all the information we see on YouTube and all of these other places, which are great for most job seekers, but the executive level, it doesn't, doesn't translate. And the outplacement support that companies offer their outgoing, um, you know, their outgoing teams doesn't always work for executives. So we offer that as well because that search is different and we didn't see it done super well in a lot of other places.
0: Gotcha. So um, I love that. So so outside of, um, you know, Outside of doing some of that coaching, what what um, what other services do you guys um, provide or, or what other insight might you share for other people that are going through the same, you know, um, uh, business journey that you are?
1: Yeah. So, wow. OK, I there's a... two
0: questions. So. Right. So no. You can pick one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. I'll start with the first one. So the other services that we provide. So, you know, when we're working with a candidate, either for a career role or a board role we you know, really focus first on what is that ideal next opportunity. And I would suggest anyone going through that process, whether you're working with us or a different firm or anyone, um, what is it that you want and what kind of organizations are you uniquely equipped to serve? Because that informs the rest of the process and makes everything much easier to do if you have a very clear picture. And so from there, you know, we do the executive resume, board bios, LinkedIn profile optimization. Um, and writing and all of that. And, but then we also offer the, how are you going to take yourself to market? What is that job search going to look like? How are you engaging people? How are you getting into the right companies? Um, recruiter introductions, if recruiters are a good option for you. It isn't the right option for every job seeker, but it is for some. Um, and then we even do interview preparation to prepare for you know every level of the interview and compensation negotiation strategy to make sure you're maximizing your offer. It can be Kind of, uh, you know, if you've never had to go through the process of of negotiating, you know, your your compensation at an executive level, you may not know what to ask for or how much to ask for or how you can ask. So we offer that too, just to make sure people aren't leaving money on the table.
0: I think I think people are are typically afraid to broach that topic because uh, there's that balancing act of negotiation and, um, you know, showing eagerness for the role that you're applying for, right? right so there's definitely some nuance there um that's that's there there's is certainly huge, huge value that you guys do that because i i've been in those conversations I, I i even i have a background in hr prior to to being in sales and coaching too so i've been on the i've been on both sides of the conversation for that uh it's <laughs> uncomfortable regardless of which side you're on honestly
1: it is it is so uncomfortable and i find that at every level it doesn't matter everyone is uncomfortable with it every time i i had a candidate uh client working with us that Um, got two job offers uh, in the same week. She had gone through a hard job search and then finally got, they both came in at the same time. She knew which one she wanted. And she said, honestly, the offer is good. They came in with where, you know, higher than I expected them to. I'm not going to negotiate. And I said, they're expecting you to negotiate. I love that you love this offer. And that's excellent. Also, we're going to ask for a little bit more um, because they're going to expect you to anyway and just see what they come back with. And she was able to secure extra equity.
0: And that's huge.
1: Right, it
0: yeah, was huge. That's huge. Um, it's funny we and I have conversations with with people at every level, but equity equity conversations are my favorite kind. Like I always love talking <laughs> equity, um, even on smaller investments and smaller businesses. Uh, one of my favorite yeah. things to do is negotiate equity instead of uh, uh, terms or, or or compensation on the front end. Uh, yep. Why Why wouldn't you want to build uh, more more passive revenue streams?
1: Right and it right. shows that you have a stake in the game if you if you have a stake in the equity you want them to succeed you want them to grow
0: awesome yeah no i love that that's amazing so um um any, any other like major services that you want to highlight or uh, or or do, you, or do you want to jump right in and talk about kind of your journey and some of the pitfalls that you've had when you were building this business from the ground up from from just you as a side hustle to 12 people
1: Right, yeah, we can, we can certainly move to that. I think that might be uh, helpful for a lot of your listeners that I know are entrepreneurs, so.
0: Awesome, so I, I actually want, so specifically I would like to ask about your first hire because I find that most of the time that's the one where it's either the most important, uh, whether, mm-hmm. well, actually whether it's successful or not, that's typically the most important uh, opportunity to learn. So how did your first hire go and how did you know when you were ready to make that first move?
1: Yeah, I love that you asked me this question, because um, it's a fun story. And it was an incredibly important hire for my business. So um, I'm really glad that this is where what you wanted to touch on. Because as I started the business, again, hadn't initially planned on it being a business. And, um, and then it was Then I had to go back and do a bunch of cleanup later, you know, to formalize some things and get things organized. And and then it was, I was plugging along as a freelancer, basically, you know, running my business, but I was getting to the point where I was capped because I, um, I only have so much time and it's a time intensive process, right? When you're writing these resumes and working with these clients, you can only take on so many clients at a time. So it got to the point where I was, I was hitting a ceiling and thought, I don't, I I need more, I, I need help to grow, but I can't pay the help to grow until I grow. Right. I had a chicken and egg situation. Yeah, yeah um, absolutely. But I did exactly like I had done when I started when I took the business full time because everything has been bootstrapped um, still today. Uh, But we you know, I wasn't ready full time when I left my job. And I thought if I can focus on it and drive, I can make it full time. And it did really like within a couple months. So then for this one, I thought, okay, I'm going to rip the bandaid off and just do it. and, And that'll help me grow. And so our first hire was my operations manager. Um, she's still with me it's been several years um but she actually had been a past client and here's why she was so key for my business because i was up between and i remember having conversations with friends and my husband at this time i thought if i bring on another writer and coach i can take on more clients but i i still need help with the operation side and cleaning things up and the you know the finances and the sales calls and all of these things and marketing and i just i needed some help with with the operation side of the back end of the business And so I decided that was going to be my first hire instead of someone who could physically do client service delivery because I felt like I needed some some cleanup. So anyway, so this past client, um, I had met her because she actually had she had had a corporate job, um, a corporate leadership role um, with uh, with a large retail chain. And then she launched her own um, specialty grocery store. She grew it to a couple of uh, locations before she exited. And that's when I met her as a client. She had been an entrepreneur. She exited her business, sold it, was moving. And at that point, I had met her and she said, you know, I don't necessarily have to work right now, but I'd like to stay busy. I'd like to do something remotely. This is before remote work was everywhere. Um, And she said, but I, you know, I want to, I want to use my skills, but I don't necessarily want to go back to work full time. And so when I had this opportunity come up, I thought I need help. But I don't know what I need and I don't know what it's going to look like. And honestly, I don't know what it's going to pay. Um, So I sent her that email and said, hey, I need help, but I don't know what I need or what it's going to look like or what it wants to pay. Do you want to join me in this? And she responded back. I'll never forget all caps. And it said, hell yeah. And I thought, perfect. That's the energy I needed. I needed that. And, And honestly, bringing her on was the transformation point in our business, the inflection point to drive growth.
0: Well, and and it's it's interesting that um, it's it's really interesting, Deborah, that, that you, ha- you that you've seen the same um, um, uh, process that that I've seen in my businesses, and I've seen in other people's businesses, and it is it is it is so attractive to hire for production first. Right. Mm-hmm. Or sales or, you know, people that are in the front line, because oftentimes those people either lower compensation or even no compensation. And they're just in your you're working on a percentage compensation and you get a percentage of whatever they sell. So logically, a lot of business owners make that connection that, OK, I should hire for production because then I can sell more or serve more. And it costs less because I'm afraid of the base salary, right? Or I'm I'm afraid of a of a big nice administrative role that's going to be costing me money, whether or not there's production there or not. But that is right. so that is so the wrong move, right? Yeah, and and I'm and I'm sure that you experienced that firsthand and have seen it. You have right. to hire for administrative first. Uh, in fact, in the real estate space, we say your first hire is an admin, your second hire is another admin, right? right. Um, because. <laughs> It's just that important, right? Um, yeah and, and I'm sure you're familiar with Pareto principle. Have you heard that before? Yeah yeah so 80 20 rule and I think I think yep. naturally as humans we connect with other people that are like us and so we want to hire people that are in production that are like us and that are you know in, in that skill set. But the reality is you need to you need to stay in your 20% of your activities that yield the majority of your results and so you need to hire mm-hmm. for everything else. And so you have to find that administrative person that'll take your your non-dollar producing activities off your plate.
1: And it was huge. I mean, having someone who trusted me enough to join this, you know, random small thing and who had been at the table understands what the struggles of an entrepreneur look like. um, You know, I felt like I was bringing an adult into the room. You know what I mean? And uh, and she was really I mean, it was and is still an amazing partner.
0: So. I, I love I love that story Deborah because it says that um it's more important that you have a vision that people can attach to than the compensation or benefit plan that matches what they need. Would mm-hmm. you agree with that? Cuz when
1: she started it was not attractive. Right. Now she has grown with us as we've grown, you know, and I've I've tried to take care of her in the ways that show that our business is in a different place, but um but yeah, she she definitely came on for the vision and grew with the business.
0: Yeah. And I I, I love that. I mean, that's, you know, our, uh, our network, our, I'm, I'm in a similar position, right? I'm, jo- I'm joining and I'm hosting. We're building our business for the same reason, because I'd rather attach the vision, even if, if in all actuality, it's not there yet. I love startups. I love, love talking about equity, right? Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, hey, why, why not? Hey, if you can't pay me now, then let's negotiate a, an equity percentage. Or if you're in, in the driver's seat and you're like, you know, I really need this really important person and I know it's an important hire, but I don't have, you know, 50000 or 75000 or $80,000 a year to pay them uh, along with full benefits, you know, mm-hmm. can I negotiate a percentage of ownership uh, that's small enough to where I still maintain autonomy, but big enough to where I can incentivize finding the right person? So, right. That's awesome. Um, so w- what happened? Um, so how quickly was that first did that first hire shift to, to 12?
1: <laughs> well, so... Um... You know it's kind of incremental so our business model has changed a lot as well so originally you know we had a couple of writers that came on that um that were you know working closely with me but i still had my hands and everything so i was still working with a lot of our clients and i had people that were kind of helping the background and and a couple of years ago is when we decided let's let's get me out of everyday service delivery and see what if we could scale if we could bring really accomplished really high level Team members in to do front-facing client service delivery, and then have me run the business. And so, so we did that. And we've been really, really lucky. Our team um, is incredibly skilled, incredibly um, experienced in the space. I'm actually one of the most junior people on our team uh, because I definitely believe in bringing you know um, experienced adults to the table, right? And so, um, you know, we have former executive recruiters. We've got um, you know a, an organizational leadership. Um, expert that, you know, got her uh, bachelor's at Yale. We've got, you know, a PhD from uh, University of Chicago. Uh, We've got coaches um, and resume writers with really deep experience in a lot of different areas. And so what I ended up doing was pulling a team together that complemented each other and their skill sets. And so we could, but we did it kind of incrementally one person at a time. And so I would say now, you know, when we say 12 people for us, it's it's four full-time salaried. And then it's, it's, whatever that is eight-ish um contract which is is typical in our industry most people work contracts in our industry but but about half of those are working pretty full-time for us just gotcha. on contract so to kind of give you an idea so that gives us a little more flexibility too I've got my core team that are here you know a leadership team I know are you know dedicated to our business then I've got the uh, team of of regular contractors and then everybody is is regular with us but may do like half time
0: gotcha and and I mean and obviously in the real estate space, that's that's something I'm familiar with and contract work is is effective in a lot of businesses because it allows you to, I think, scale up and down.
1: It does. It allows us it. to kind of yeah, ebb and flow with business and, and and honestly, because our team is so well respected in our industry, they run their own businesses as well.
0: Well, and, and I, I love that you're okay with that, because some people say, Nope, you're on one team and that's the only team you're on, right? But in reality, really talented people look for multiple ways to to use their skills, right? Right. And multiple streams of revenue or multiple streams <laughs> of uh, passive income and they're investing in other other things or they're a franchise owner over here. Right. There's all that stuff. So that's awesome. Right.
1: Yeah. Thank so, you. Yeah. I'd rather be able to build a um, uh, an ecosystem where the best are available to my clients versus versus worry about competition. And I will say my industry, you know, in the resume writing and career coaching space, we're really um, supportive of each other. Most of the business, the firms of my size are really good friends. We share business back and forth. We go to conferences together. Um, and so it's it's kind of a blurry line.
0: Well, and and that's okay. I, I, I think, um, and I don't know if I coined this or if I heard it somewhere else, but I used to talk to one of my prior business partners and we called it co-opetition. I love it. (laughs) You know, because it really is like that's so prevalent in the business space because you realize that you're not a fit for every potential client and every client is not a fit for you. And so why would you not leverage those connections for other similar business owners? Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, It's a no brainer, especially if you're passionate about the end result of the client being the best that it possibly can be. You're going to feel almost an obligation to make sure that you know who else is in the industry doing what you do. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. I love well, it. I I have I have thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. I, I'm I'm watching my timer up here and knowing that I've got to keep an eye on it because I, I we could probably talk for a lot longer. Um, <laughs> but is there any um any other parting words or um, anything you want to share with our listeners that you feel like would be we would be valuable?
1: Yeah, you know, um, in keeping with the conversation about my business growth and you know my experience at, in this space, I would say you know anyone else looking to grow, I, I would you know the the other big thing that supported me was um, in in the world of co-opetition maybe is partnerships. You don't have to be alone. You don't have to do it all alone and feel like you have to reinvent the wheel and everything. You know, partnering with other similar businesses, maybe sharing an admin or um, or, you know, for me, I partner with a lot of organizations and companies that um, are talking to candidates. So I partner with a lot of executive recruiters that, um, you know, are no, that know candidates that may need these services before they can go out and start their search and things like that. So find ways to partner so that you're not having to reinvent the wheel in building your, your credibility in the space, building your, your brand recognition, you know, getting every single lead through blood, sweat and tears, Right. Um, so don't, don't try to be an island, find people that can help.
0: That is phenomenal advice that I know applies to every industry, uh, regardless of where you're at. So I, I really appreciate sharing mm-hmm. that. And, um, Thank you. Um, you know, one last thing I would say, because I know that, uh, I've enjoyed the conversation. I'm sure other people have too. So if somebody that's lis- listening, wants to get a hold of you, wants to either use your services or connect with you in some other way, how, how do they do that?
1: Yeah. So best way to connect with me is to find me on LinkedIn. I'm extremely active there. I put a ton of content out around executive job search, board stuff, business leadership. Um, so my LinkedIn uh, is Deborah Boggs, D-E-B-R-A-B-O-G-G-S. Or find uh, my website to learn more about me and my team and all of our bios and whatnot. Uh, it's at DSCareerManagement.com.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much again, Deborah. Uh, and again, thank you guys uh, for listening to this episode. I, uh, it's been a pleasure being able to guest host for a couple sessions. And um, stay tuned for another episode in the future of Small Business Chronicles. And hope you guys have a fantastic day.
1: Thank you, Brian. I appreciate it.
0: Thanks, Deborah.